You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Why the Gospel is Relevant Today. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org. The Word of God says that He wants to offer us the benefits contained in the Gospel message. His desire is to bless this world by filling it with His glory, the result of which will be everlasting peace and righteousness. The Gospel is an invitation to Almighty God, to everyone, if we would but hear the message and obey it. Before we have a look at why the Gospel is relevant today, I'd like you to come to the first book of Genesis, and we'd like to lay down, firstly, a couple of fundamental principles that exist in the Word of God. Because here God tells us in Genesis chapter 1 what his ultimate plan is and what we can extract in relation to why this earth exists and why there is life upon it. So if you have a look at Genesis chapter 1 and at verse 26, it says there, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And so what we know, brothers and sisters, is here is God talking to his angels because Adam and Eve have not yet been created, and God is communicating to his angels a plan. You see, God wants to create a family. He wants to create a family in the earth. And he wants a family that thinks like he thinks, that acts like he acts, that displays similar characteristics to his character. In the terminology of Genesis, it is a multitude of people that are to be created after his image and after his his likeness. And it's exactly the same in natural families, is it not? Children display the characteristics of their parents. They share the DNA of their parents. You can see family traits that are passed down from generation to generation. And that is exactly what God wants. He wants to fill this earth with a family that displays his traits and his characteristics. Let me just come over to in Habakkuk chapter 2. And in verse 14, we read there, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover 
the sea. And so what does that mean? If you have a wide margin Bible, you can see that just in front of the uh, word with, you've got the little number two. And it says there, by knowing the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, is the character of God. And I don't have time this evening to go in to prove that to you, but if you would like to work out how we've proven that, then you can come and see me after the lecture. But here what we have is we have God who wants to fill the earth with people who know his character. And that's why God created the earth as it is today, in order that he might fill it with beings who understand his character. Let's come over with me to Isaiah chapter 45. In Isaiah chapter 45, when we read in verse 18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. And so here God has created the earth for the express purpose of populating the earth with beings who manifest his character and his traits. So how is God going to create this family? Well, we're told in Acts how God is going to perform this. In Acts uh, chapter 15, we see how God is going to create this family. In Acts chapter 15, and we read there in verse 14, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets. And so here, brethren and sisters, God is pulling out of the nations around us a people for himself. But these people at this stage do not manifest his characteristics. So how is God going to call out this people? What process is he going to use? You know, that little word visit there in verse 14, it is a Greek word which means to inspect, to look upon in order to help or benefit, to provide for of God. And so God is calling out a people for his name by offering an invitation for the which will provide us, that is the Gentiles, anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile, and God has offered us this invitation for which there are benefits attached. We have this similar idea of visiting back in Genesis chapter 21, if you turn here for a moment, because this is actually quite important in relation to the process God is going to use to call out his family. In Genesis chapter 21, we read in verse 1 that the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. 
For Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And so here we have Abraham's wife, Sarah. And what we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is that this woman was barren. And God visited her. He saw her and offered her a benefit of God. And that benefit was the conception of their firstborn son. And that firstborn son was Isaac. It's just interesting to know, ladies and gentlemen, that that um, lineage happens to be the lineage through which our Lord Jesus Christ came from. And so back in Acts, that same principle is being used. God has visited the Gentiles. He has seen us. He wants to offer us a benefit. And what is that benefit? It is the gospel. But in order to know what the benefit of the gospel is, we need to understand what the gospel contains. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the word gospel is made up of two Greek words. It's eu, which is an adverb of quality signifying good, and gilion, a message delivered in the name of anyone. And so here the, the gospel itself is a good message in its basic form. That is all the gospel is. It is a good message. And it's a good message because there are benefits which are associated with the gospel. I'd like you to come with me to Matthew chapter um, 4, please, because here we're going to start to see what the gospel actually is. In Matthew chapter 4 and at verse 23, we read, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And so straight away we begin to see that this message is concerning a kingdom. And it is the kingdom of God. So what about this kingdom of God? If you come over a few pages to Luke chapter 1, we see, first of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the king of this kingdom. We read in verse 32, He, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So there's two things that we learn about this kingdom straight off the bat. First of all, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be king. Second of all, this kingdom is going to be an eternal kingdom. Daniel tells us it's going to be a worldwide kingdom that will be established forever. I'd just like you to come over for a minute to um, Acts chapter 28. 
And we gain and we gain just a few more details in relation to this kingdom. And we read there in Acts chapter 28 and at verse 26 we see that the nation of Israel, right down through to 28, 29, 30, the nation of Israel had rejected this message so far. And now God was going to give this message to the Gentiles. We see that in verse 27. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And the apostle Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. And so now we know that this gospel is concerning the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to come to back a few pages to Acts chapter 10 and at verse 34. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. There is the gospel. He is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began uh, from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And if we come back over to Psalm 72, which is the reading we had this evening, we are given a whole bunch of of characteristics of the age when this kingdom will be established in the earth with Christ as its head. We read in Psalm 72 and verse 1, Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. And right there, ladies and gentlemen, we can see a dramatic change in the world as it will be in that time. God and fellow men will be revered. At the moment, it's every man for himself. Eternal peace, it just doesn't exist, does it? But it will in the kingdom. We see that in verse 7 of Psalm 72. In his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. In fact, Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 17 tells us what the result of a king reigning in righteousness will be. It will be that peace will follow. There can be no other result. If a king is reigning in righteousness, 
everything will be right. Judgments will be right. And people will be satisfied with the result of those judgments. And so peace will ensue. There'll be worldwide control. And at the moment, there are a lot of people, aren't there, who would like worldwide control. We've got Vladimir Putin for one. We've got Xi Jinping for another. We've got the West trying to dominate everything for another. But this time, it's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will have worldwide control. And it's the result of that worldwide control that will result in all nations worshipping God. It doesn't happen now, but it will. The Lord Jesus Christ will be known and respected. The only time we ever hear the name of Jesus Christ today is when it is being used as a profanity or when people jeer that something is taking far too long and they liken it to the coming of our Lord. It's the only time you hear it these days. But in the time to come, he will be known. And not only will he be known, but he will be respected. And so there will be peace, justice, everything ruled justly by our Lord Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, we have an opportunity to be a part of that glorious future. This is all what the gospel is about. The kingdom of God and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the gospel entails. And if the kingdom is going to be an eternal kingdom, the people in it are going to live forever. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live forever in this world. I'd much rather be in a world where there is peace, where there is righteousness, where food security will not be a problem where worldwide warfare will not even exist. This is what the gospel is all about. It's all about people who will inherit the earth. Matthew chapter 5 tells us that, tells us that, that the meek will inherit the earth. And so this gospel, this, this message, this good news of the kingdom is to be spread far and wide. If you have a look at Galatians chapter 3, we can see that starting to be the case. In Galatians chapter 3, we see in verse 8 that the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel, this good news, unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. And they will, ladies and gentlemen. They will be blessed. This is this family of Yahweh that he's working to create now, which will be in the kingdom of God, and they will live in beautiful conditions. Just come back over to... Genesis chapter 12 and 13, where God actually delivered this message through to Abraham. Genesis 12 and 
It says in chapter 12 and at verse 1 of the book of Genesis, Now Yahweh had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And here's our phrase, and in thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Turn over the page to chapter 13 and at verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And that land, ladies and gentlemen, is the land of Israel. And the capital of that land is going to be Jerusalem. And that is where the kingdom, the capital of the kingdom, is going to be established forever. And that is where the Lord Jesus Christ is going to reign. But there's a problem there. Abraham's dead. Just come over with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we read in verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Look at verse 8. By faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. And then if you have a look in the last verse, the last two verses of it, Hebrews chapter 11, it says, And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Abraham has not received his inheritance. Nor has Abraham's seed received his inheritance. Why? Because he died. Now if this promise is going to have any effect, then Abraham needs to be raised from the dead. And so this a doctrine of resurrection is incorporated in the gospel. I'd like you to come over to Second of Peter chapter two, and at verse one. Uh, sorry, and at verse uh, four, it says in Second of Peter in uh, verse four of chapter one, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of 
divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So in order for Abraham to receive these promises, ladies and gentlemen, he needs to be raised from the dead and receive divine nature, that is, immortality. And so this gospel, this good news of the kingdom of God, concerns not only the kingdom of God and its eternal nature, not only the Lord Jesus Christ as king, but those who receive eternal life will also get into that kingdom. And therefore then we will be able to live forever because Christ will then come back to the earth and grant unto us eternal life. And so if you come over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, we see that coming out in Mark chapter 16 and at verse 16. In fact, we'll start at verse 15. And he that is the Lord Jesus Christ said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that, is, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. So therefore, brother, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we need to ask, what is it that we're being saved from? So the act of salvation, or the word salvation, means the act of saving or delivering. The state of being saved or delivered. And we are being delivered from that corruption that exists in the world through lust. The Apostle Peter told us that in 2 Peter chapter 1. And so there is one event, ladies and gentlemen, that happens to us all, and that is death. We cannot get away from it. In fact, if you go to the Bureau of Statistics for Australia, we find that, and I took these just from the beginning or just before uh, COVID-19, there was one birth every two minutes in Australia, one death every four minutes in Australia, and one migrant every two minutes. And so you can see how they balanced out between births or creation of life and death. If you have a look at it today, you will find that there is one birth every one minute, 50-something seconds, and there is one death every three minutes. And that is being partially attributed to the pandemic that is currently going throughout um, the world. In fact, the crude death rate for the world prior to COVID was 7.62 deaths per thousand per capita. It's now 11. So it is gone up. I've no doubt it'll probably start plateauing and coming back a little bit now that COVID is pretty much rampant throughout the world, but that will remain to be seen. It's estimated 57 people will die. And there is one death every two seconds somewhere in the world. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, it is something that we just can't get away from. 
It is something that we need delivering from, that we need saving from. It's also interesting that God tells us that he is uh, not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering us, would not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, because God would rather that we turn and we accept this invitation of the gospel rather than see us perish. And so how can we be, make ourselves available of this glorious opportunity? Well, we need to be baptised, as we can see in the 16th verse of Mark chapter 16. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. And so the three steps to a valid baptism is first, belief. We need to believe this gospel. We need to understand this gospel, what it contains. And we must, once we have believed this gospel, we then need to follow the commandments. We need to be obedient to this gospel. Once we have done that, we are then baptised into the all-saving name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to come back to Galatians chapter 3 once more. Because we're going to have a look at a different verse. In Galatians chapter 3, we read in verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not as to seeds of many, but as one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how we can be associated with the gospel. That is how we can find a place in the glorious kingdom that is soon to be established upon the earth. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, this gospel that was preached right throughout the whole earth, that is the benefit that has been offered to each and every one of us. So why is the gospel relevant today? Because the promises have not been given to Abraham as yet. And while ever that is the case, while ever Abraham remains in the grave, we have the opportunity to believe the gospel, to be baptised, and then to obey the gospel in its entirety. Because that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. That's what Abraham did in Hebrews chapter 11. That's why he's recorded in the honour roll of the faithful. We need to be faithful 
in the obedience to this gospel. And it's relevant to us today, ladies and gentlemen, as much as it was to Abraham, because we can still have the opportunity to be a part of it. And may it be, ladies and gentlemen, that the Lord Jesus Christ will soon return to this earth and set up his glorious kingdom. And so we urge you to look into these matters and be baptised in order that you might be saved from death, that you might be saved from the corruption that exists in the world through lust before it is too late. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.